Hear this from the word of God. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you. Lord, you are a God who has made it possible for us to worship. Thank you for just the sweet time of sung worship that we just had. Lord, thank you for the beauty of music. But Lord, most importantly, thank you for the content of which we sing, which is all that you've done, all that you've made reality for us. Help us to see that clearly tonight and help us to worship in all that we do in light of it. If there's anything, Lord, that we are worshiping with our lives, with our time, with our resources, that is unworthy of worship, would you reveal that to us here and now? Guide us now, Lord. Bless us as we go to your word. Reveal yourself to us. We pray and ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, point number one, we all worship. We all worship. The question is then, just what do we worship? What do you worship? We were made by a God who had a plan for us, a design for us uh, to be worshipers. That's even seen here in the midst of his design for us. You yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What does this mean? We live and our lives, our thoughts, our actions, our words, we're motivated by things. 
And I think it's just a simple way of putting it is that we, we worship things and our worship, whatever is most valuable in our lives is what drives us, is what propels us, is what guides us to what we do, what we say, what we think. And so just first intake question for you, what is it that you worship? If someone was a passive observer of your life and just took notes, what would they say you worshiped? How do you spend your time? How do you spend your money? How do you spend your energy? Someone once said, show me someone's checkbook or just like bank account. Let me see their transactions. Let me see their mint account and I'll tell you what they worship. How they spend their money. What would they say you worship just based on your time? Is it music ensembles? Is it sports? None of these things inherently in and of themselves are necessarily wrong and evil. But if our lives somehow aren't being distinct and it's not obvious for us to see, even as Christians, that we worship a God throughout our lives, maybe there is something wrong. So this is just the first thing I want to bring home. We all worship. What is it that we're worshiping? Imagine if our thought life, somehow our thoughts and our hearts, feelings, all of this could be like pumped up to a jumbotron, like some kind of USB connection to our brain and everyone could see all of our thoughts. Everyone could see all of what we're thinking and what we're feeling. I think that would be horrifying. <laughs> that would be unreal to be just completely exposed, nowhere to hide. If that content was made known to people, what would they say they worship then? So this is just a, this is the, a gut check. And so I'd love for this to be a question that we just ask ourselves. Like, honestly, it's just like, even if like there's a confidence, like, yeah, I believe in God, but man, as I think about what do I worship and if I assess my life, yeah, there's some things not lining up. It's a good thing to just think about, talk about, chew on. But tonight as we talk about church, the gathered body, the people of God, and how it is like a temple, it is the place where we meet with God, where we worship God when we gather together, specifically with God's people. This can be done as individuals throughout our entire lives, but it's uniquely done when we gather as a people. Because we acknowledge that we even our gathering is an existence, is a reality because of all that God has made possible for us. And that's point number two, is that God has made a way for us to worship him. God has made a way for us to worship him. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This reminds me of just a story, quick story time here. Um, Joyce, who was just playing piano, um, we're married. She's my wife. Um, what a joy that is. We now have a little child. It's crazy. Um, but when we got married, we went on a honeymoon to Cancun. Cancun. Um, we rented, um, a Jeep, wanted to go on adventures and yeah, let's get a, a four, four wheel drive vehicle to go just adventure around. So get there, arrive later in the day, um, find a hotel, go to sleep, plan for, okay, tomorrow's going to be adventure day. Tomorrow's going to be adventure day. So we wake up, um, we 
have a cooler full, full of ice and like sandwiches and snacks and a whole bunch of water. We're just like, we're going to go out, find the most remote beach outside of Cancun, just find a place to hunker down for the day and have a good time. And so we did, we drove far out of Cancun a couple hours and we found on a map like this one, like just peninsula, this like long narrow tip of land. It's like, yes, let's go to the edge of that hours outside of town. Like very quickly you exit out of the like more bougie vacation hotels, hotspot, and then you're entering, oh yeah, this is Mexico, this is different. Um, and so driving by farmland, driving by all kinds of stuff, and we get just out, 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 out. So where it like becomes like almost like this, just a dirt road driving now on a beach, and we keep on driving, so we're just like two and a half hours away at this point, and at this point, we're driving nearing the end of this tip of the peninsula and there's ocean on both sides of like this 50 yard stretch of sand. Like, yes, this is exactly what we desired. It was then shortly after where I wanted to get a little bit closer to the water and drove and just perfectly sunk this Jeep down into some soft, soft, soft sand. Um, we were stuck. Um, we then spent <laughs> the next hour just trying to dig ourselves out of the sand. And at this point, we're like kind of laughing. It's like, oh, of course this would happen. Hey, we have water, we have sandwiches. We're fine, we're not in harm's way. And we're digging and we're making some progress and like spirits are still high. After the next hour of trying to do that, we're like, okay, <laughs> um, still making some progress. We're still fine, we have water, it's starting to get hot and this isn't really relaxing. This isn't the adventure that we wanted. Um, and then like two hours later, um, we're exhausted, been out in the sun <laughs> and we're spent and the progress that we've made, like maybe like 20 feet is like away from the road that we need to go. And it's like, thought we were going to be able to loop back around. We're only making the situation and the problem worse. Um, and so we are desperately in need of help at this time. <laughs> We, yeah, we need intervention of some kind. And that's what happens. Now, this is a true story. There's proof to all things I'm about to say. Um, but at that point, um, a man rode up on a white horse um, while we were digging in the sand. Um, he was uh, just wearing white jeans and shirtless and um, had remarkably um, sun-kissed, dark brown skin. Um, he rode up and he just asked, as I'm dripping sweat, like sunburn, um, digging with like a cup I had in the car, sand, trying to make way for these tires. He's like, you guys okay? And I was like, what do you think I, how did I answer that question? You guys okay? You need help? And, oh no, I, I think we're good. I think we're good. Thank you. <laughs> He's like, you don't look good. And uh, you're right. We're not good. I desperately need help. This guy, his name ended up being Alan Allen, is at least his Facebook name. Um, he throws me his car keys. Throws me his car keys from the horse. Throws me his car keys and says, my Jeep is parked down the beach a ways. Go get it, drive it over. When you drive, stay close to the water. That's where the sand is firmer, more packed down, more weighted. And so all of a sudden, um, we are not digging in the sand in the sun anymore. We're walking along the beach, feet in the water, being refreshed. We were like 
40 feet away from the water the entire time, but had not gone in because you're trying to get this Jeep unstuck. We get to this guy's car. It is the Jeep to end all Jeeps. It is the largest tires, the most lifted um, ratchet straps, like all, all the bells and whistles. And I have this dude's car keys. I'm able to unlock it, get inside, and all of a sudden I'm driving in this way more capable vehicle over like the same sand that I probably would have gotten that rental Jeep that was not four-wheel drive was lied to me. Um, we're driving towards it. Um, this guy gets off his horse, hands Joyce this horse. Um, his girlfriend was there at the time on another horse. And he has like the ratchet and pulley system and he yanks our little rental Jeep out of the sand and back onto the road like it was a toy car. All of a sudden, we have now experienced this amazing rescue of this situation, this problem that I, we got ourselves into in the first place. And, and now we're enjoying and appreciating this beach in a way that we, I don't think we ever would have to that degree um, before that because of the rescue that had been had. Um, this guy, so funny, he, he busts out drinks and now we're hanging out with him and his girlfriend Joyce gets up on the horse and she's riding around on this horse. It was just, it felt like a fairy tale of sorts. Um, but then he asked me, he's like, because I love photography at a camera. Um, he's like, hey, would you take some pictures? I do horse wrangling in the area and I do private tours of people um, riding horses in the ocean, like on the beach. Like, yeah, sure, I'll take some photos. Of course, you just saved our lives probably pulled us out of this situation. I'll take some photos. And there we ended the day taking photos of Alan Allen and Milagros was his girlfriend's name, which means miracle, classic. Um, and and that's, that's how that story concludes. Why in the world do I tell that story? Because it's similar, turns out, to this gospel good news of Jesus Christ that's been made available to all of us. How so? Let me, let me draw some connections. Um, we, apart from Jesus, are an utterly hopeless, stranded people um, in a mess of our own making. Adam and Eve, our spiritual parents, they're the ones who took and ate of the fruit against the instructions, breaking obedience with God, bringing sin into the world, entering into brokenness themselves and a fractured relationship with God, setting them on a path only towards death, destruction, and separation from God for all of eternity. When you and I were born, that's the state we were born into because of the fallout of our spiritual parents. Great, 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 great grandparents. That's our stranded state. We can't get out of this. No matter how much digging, no, how much, no matter how much effort, we're stuck. But that's when God enters the picture. He comes like a savior on a white horse, yet a donkey, enters the scene and does everything that we couldn't do. Has the four-wheel drive that we didn't have. Is able to pull us out of the pit that we could never pull ourselves out of. He lives the perfect life we couldn't, dies in our place where we should have been. Because we as sinners, we have a paycheck coming our way. The wages of sin is death. 
That's the paycheck that we should be getting at the end of our lives. But our God takes that on himself. And what does he do? He gives us then, exchanges our punishment of death and gives us his righteousness. It's as if we've been tossed the key cars, car keys, uh, to be able to drive a vehicle we should have never been able to have. And because of that, we are able to be in relationship with God, be made right with God, be rescued because of what our Lord and Savior has done. This is the just gospel good news of Jesus Christ. Died in our place so that we might live. And what do we need to do? <laughs> what do we need to do to receive this rescuing, to receive this salvation? All we have to do is acknowledge that we're in need. What was difficult for me to do on the beach in Cancun can be difficult for us in our hearts to embrace and acknowledge and just say, yeah, I need help. I'm not good. I'm not in a place where I have it all together. Every single one of us guys, as much as we want to put on a face and say, yeah, I've got it all together, we don't. Because the reality is if any one of us were to die without having bowed our knee to Jesus Christ and asked for his help, placed our faith and trust in him for salvation alone, we would be entering into death and separation from God for all of eternity. That is not okay. That is not, yeah, I'm good. So he's made it available. All we have to do is say, I'm messed up. I need help. Jesus, I'm a sinner. You're the Savior. You're the one whose blood and sacrifice can wash me clean. I place my faith and trust in you, Jesus Christ, alone for my salvation. This is available to every single one of us. And this is just the most important thing that we can talk about because for the rest of the week, as we talk about the church and the people that we are now in Christ, it, there's no traction that will be had if we're not in Christ. We would be, you would be listening and receiving conversations about a people and a group that you're not a part of. We desperately desire for you to hear this good news that's been made available by Jesus for you. Have you received this? If you have not, tonight is the night. And so just going to ask at the end of this time, if, if you have not received this message, just stay back. Just stay here. We'll dismiss quietly. Um, and if you need to pray, if you need to talk, if you need to work some stuff out, just stay here. One of us, myself, staff, counselors, will be available for you. Um, but salvation, life forevermore, right relationship with God, and then the intro and embrace that brings you into the body of Christ is waiting for you in this saying, yes, God, I'm in need of help. And so this is the way that our God has made for us to worship. He's made a way for us to be in relationship with him. And he has saved us and our lives for all time. So when Alan asked me after he saved Joyce and I from this situation, would you be willing to take some photos? That's a no brainer. Yes, of course you saved me. Why wouldn't I? If I were to say no to him at that point, it just wouldn't compute at all. Of course you did this huge salvation work in my life. Why wouldn't I chip in a sense? 
So if that's like this appropriate right comparison, similar if like a bus was barreling down on you and someone pushed you out of the way and saved you, it's like, oh my goodness, you saved my life. How can I repay you? And they're like, you know what? I'm hungry. Could you get me some in and out? And you're like, whoa, no, that's no way. It's like, what? Are you kidding me? Saved your life. You wouldn't buy, get him a double double. How much more though, as we think about it, just even thinking about like even the math, like the quantity component of it, if your life has been saved for forever, if life has been secured for you for all time, wouldn't it make sense that for a finite time, our lives here on earth, that we would be sold out in extending and seeking to return the favor in a sense to God. I want to be careful because I'm not talking about us working off our salvation. This isn't a, we've been saved, now we have to earn it in a sense. No, no, no. But it's a response of gratitude unto our God if we truly grapple with and understand that our lives have been saved for all time. It leads us to being a people when we gather together and we even acknowledge, remember that one time that we were stranded and our God saved us and got us unstuck. This is a reason to celebrate. This is a reason to rejoice. And this leads us to worshiping because of what our God has done. God has made a way for us to worship him. And that's the way that's been made through Jesus Christ and the gospel good news of Jesus Christ. Number three, we are to be a, we are to worship as a people. And so this is just where we're bringing it back to the communal sense. Yes, every single one of us who've experienced this life-saving work from Jesus, our lives, our individual lives are to be ones of returning all worship, glory, honor, and praise to our God acknowledging the good that he's done in our lives. But guys, we are to do this together as a community. Just think of any of the times that you've received good news in your life, whether it's you got the job, you got into college, the illness is going away, you got a bonus, whatever it is, this is news that we automatically want to share with those people who are nearest and dearest to us to grow and have the celebration be the size, be the magnitude that we desire it to be. There is no greater cause for celebration than the salvation and the saving work that has been brought about by Jesus Christ's life sacrificial death, burial, resurrection, defeating and conquering death once and for all in ascension, which secures and makes it possible then for every single one of us to experience life and relationship made right with God once again. This is the fuel for our worship as the people of God, the gratitude, the thanksgiving, the appreciation. And if our God has loved us like this, how then might we be a people receiving such great love that he's extended, be ones that then turn to others, turn to the world, love them like he loved us. So returning to that first main question, what is it that you worship? What is it that you worship? And let me just ask you this, is what you might be tempted to worship, whether that's worldly fame, 
money, prestige, having cars, having a relationship, having certain status, living in a certain place, a certain number of followers on whatever social media. What have those things done for you? What value do those things have? And how would any of those things transfer into eternity? What do those things continue to do for you after you die? Because that's a reality we must all grapple with is death is coming for us. This side of eternity, unless Jesus returns, every single one of us will taste death. Our physical bodies coming to an end. But with Christ, there is confidence and security of life forevermore, exactly from that point on through the rest of time. Can a car guarantee that for you? Can social media following guarantee that for you? Can having the right boyfriend, having the right girlfriend secure that for you? So perhaps, perhaps it's worth considering that our God, the one who can secure life for us, if we would just come to him, acknowledge him as our God, as our Lord and Savior, as people in need to the God who supplies all needs, perhaps it's worth it to consider that he alone is the one worthy of all glory, honor, praise, all worship throughout our lives because he is the one who can secure life even after death. And this is seen in his life. After he gave his life for us, died in the grave. And we sang about this. On the third at break of dawn, the son of heaven rose again. O trampled death, where is your sting? The angels roar for Christ our King. He's the one who's conquered death, re-entered into life, securing life for you and I for all time. If that's not worthy of worshiping, I don't know what is. So, question for us to think about tonight. What are we worshiping? And if, if we do say that we truly worship God, is that seen? Is that visible? And is our worship being done as a people? And how might God have us to be growing in not only our individual lives of worship, but a communal life of worship as a family, as a church, peers, friends. So once again, I'm going to pray and just dismiss us from this time. I'm going to ask, like we did to solo quiet time, that we would just leave quietly. And I don't know what God is doing and stirring up in your guys' hearts and minds. But again, if there are those of you who have not taken this step of faith and placed all faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, for your rescuing from your stranded state, I would just ask you to stay. 
If there's other things that are being brought to mind right now and you just need someone to talk with, someone to pray with, please stay. This is going to be a space to just be able to process, be able to talk. So at, at this point, um, after I pray, if you're not going to stay, I just ask you to go. There's snack that's available and ready. And then counselors, if you're staying behind with any students, you can plan on just meeting up with your students back up at the kitchen tent here in a little bit. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. You are a God who has made a way for us. Lord, once we were not a people, but now we are your people when we have bowed our knee, placed our faith and trust in you, Jesus Christ, alone for our salvation. We are your people now. Once we had not received mercy, now we have received mercy. Lord, I pray and ask that if there's any here who have not received that mercy from you, that you would prick at their hearts, open their minds, let their eyes see and their ears hear of their need that they have and how God you desire because of your great love for us, the willingness to lay down your life, Jesus, for us. May no one here leave this place having not surrendered their life to you because you did that for us. So Lord, would this be now a launch pad for us? For this week and the rest of our lives that we would grow into not just being individuals who live for you with utmost and abounding gratitude for the sacrifice and the life that you've given so that we could have life forevermore. Um, but would this be a starting point of doing that as individuals and as a community? ones who gather and immediately have a connection because of the one whom we worship, because of the things we have all been saved from, our desperate state. Thank you, God. Thank you that you work, Holy Spirit. So we just ask and pray and commit the rest of this week and even this night to you. May truth and life abound from this place in each one of us. And may it result in a communal, a people who worship you. Thank you, God. Just pray and ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.